Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Does your vision for business match what you see happening on a daily basis? Welcome to Jim White's Circle of Success, where Jim White brings it all together. For over 30 years, Jim White has worked with organizations and individuals worldwide to help develop and implement excellence. You'll get the inside story on how to create innovative leaders from one corner of your company to the other. Get everyone on your team contributing to the bottom line. Keep building revenue even when the economy and your customers have flatlined. And more. Jim White's Circle of Success Radio covers it all, from communication to contract negotiation, from personal fulfillment to revving up cash flow. It's not about theories. It's about showing you what works and how to make it work for you. And now, here's your host, Jim White. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Jim White, and we're coming to you live from Carmel, California, on August the 27th, 2011. We've got a fantastic show for you today. We're going to discuss uh, what, what I labeled the good and the bad and the ugly of the gas tax, which is the primary source of funding for in the United States for infrastructure projects. Our theme for the past several weeks, about seven weeks now, if my memory serves me to correct, has been that construction matters to the economy. Now, the ongoing construction downturn is not only devastating to people working directly in the industry, it also is serving as a drag on the U.S. economy and the U.S. growth. Construction spending accounts for more than 8% of the U.S. gross domestic product. That's a big number. Given that the vast majority of construction firms are small, local businesses, the strength of the sector has a disproportionate impact in all communities. Reviving demand for construction particularly private sector construction activity, is essential to sustaining broader economic growth. And this is why. The health of the construction industry is vital. I think I've said that three times, right, three different ways. Vital to our economic strength, employment levels, and the quality of life. Yet the industry continues to suffer from a prolonged downturn and as a result is serving as a big anchor, a big drag on broader economic expansion. It is clear that a new new approach is needed, one that puts particular emphasis on boosting private sector demand and providing economic activity. My guest today, very, very, very special uh, individual, is uh, Dan Himmick, and Dan is president of C.C. Myers. It's an employee-owned company headquartered in uh, Rancho Cordova, California, and they have a satellite office uh, in Anaheim, California. The company is a heavy civil engineering contracting firm specializing in highway and bridges. It operates throughout the western United States. 
And Dan has over 40 years of heavy civil experience, which includes bridges, highways, subways, marine, geotechnical construction. So our guest has the experience. He has the experience to be talking about our topic today, and he has prepared some very specific uh, solutions uh, to help increase or talk about increasing the gas tax and we know that subject really gets people up in arms, okay? Now, Dan started uh, in the field as a field engineer, managing and leading multiple million-dollar infrastructure projects, working his way up to president and leader of C.C. Myers, Inc. Dan is also a member of a prestigious organization called the Moles and is a graduate of University of North Carolina Executive Management Program. And it is my pleasure to welcome you to the show today, Dan. Good morning. Good morning, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing great, sir. Doing great. What a what what a background you have, and uh, and thank you for taking the Saturday uh, away from your family and your uh, other activities to come and uh, talk to us today about this important topic uh, of the gas tax. If well, thank anyone... you for inviting me. It's uh, I'm honored to be here, and it's a pleasure, and uh, I feel I have a very important message. You do. You you have a huge message, and it couldn't be more timely. So once again, uh, thank you. You know, as I was preparing for the show, I couldn't help but uh, be be touched by it. it's it's a article that you wrote. Uh, when did you write that article, that Quality of Life article? Tell, tell us a little bit about that and tell us how you got involved because, I mean, you're out here, what we call in the industry, knocking on the doors and trying to bring awareness. So if you will, just take a little bit and uh, tell us about C.C. Uh, Myers and the firm and, uh, and, and, and tell us about what got you interested in this subject and to start uh, talking about it every opportunity you have. So. Uh, share with us a little bit, please, about C.C. Meyer. Well, thank you, Jim. C.C. Um, Myers uh, Inc. was started about 32 years ago by a very dynamic uh, young man who built the company uh, over the period of the years into uh, kind of legendary. Uh, many people will remember the company for uh, getting the uh, Santa Monica Freeway back on track in a record number of days back in the early 90s uh, when an earthquake hit. I see. Uh, in 2005, Mr. Myers sold the company uh, to the employees. Uh, we're 100% employee-owned. Mm-hmm. And we continue the tradition that he started. We're involved, we have been involved in many uh, emergency projects throughout the state, as well as maintaining a volume of uh, construction work, building bridges, highways, uh, roads, etc. I think uh, we're well known for the quality of work we do and uh, the commitment our employees have. We have many, many employees who came right out of high school or right out of college and been with the company for 15, 20, and 25 years. So we're really proud of that. Um, So the way I got into this is, you know, our industry typically is very cyclical. It'll run for two or three years where there's plenty of projects, good funding, and then it kind of dries up for two or three years, and we go through a downturn. So in 2008, we went through this, obviously, the big economic crash and the downturn, and 
like, well, what do we have to do here to sustain a funding level? And at, at that time, it was more self-serving in how we could maintain a source of funds so our company could uh, really kind of count on a steady growth and increase mm-hmm. in the future for our employees. Mm-hmm. But the more I got into it, the more I realized that it, it goes far beyond um, it goes far beyond just worrying about funding infrastructure. It's really about our quality of life. And our quality of life in the United States, as far as I'm concerned, has deteriorated dramatically over the last 10 or 15 years. So I I was wondering how we could get into this, and I went to several lobbyists and started talking to legislative leaders. And I was kind of out of my element. I'm not a real political person. So I engaged the help of a former CEO of a large uh, construction company here in California called Granite Construction, and they had lobbyists on board and some uh, governmental affairs people, so they had experience in that. And that gentleman's name was uh, Bill Dory. Yeah. So we started working together, and we met with uh, Democratic leaders in the legislature, and we met with Republican leaders in the legislature, And it became evident that really the issue of our quality of life and our funding and everything is just a ball that's being bounced back and forth between the two, and it's it's, uh, a political arena where nobody wants to cooperate. I think uh, it's pretty common knowledge that we have one of the worst anti-bipartisan legislatures in the United States. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing is getting done. So I started researching what what we could really do. And to start that research, I looked into the Great Depression. Mm. And uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, You can look uh, online. You can research it. And there are obviously many opinions about the various programs that happened during there. But what, what is astounding to me is that the vision and leadership that uh, Franklin Roosevelt had was unwavering. And what he did is he engaged many, many public programs, public and private, one of which was the Public Works Administration. And the Public Works Administration was a program where private companies, construction companies, infrastructure companies, bid on work that the government put out And I was looking at the numbers, and I was shocked by the fact that in a six-year time frame from 1933 to 1939, this country built 34,000 projects across the United States. 34 to 39? Yeah, from 1933 to 1939, in six years, the PWA funded and administered the construction of 34,000 projects. Wow. Now, this included airports, dams, bridges, 70% of the new schools, and one-third of the hospitals in this country were built during this time. Hmm. These projects consumed roughly half of the concrete and a third of the steel in the entire nation. And at that time, it put some 3 million people back to work building infrastructure that still remains vital today. The Oakland Bay Bridge is one of them, the Hoover Mm. Dam. Mm. 
I mean, it's just it's just incredible. So that was one program that uh, Roosevelt did. Uh, there were others. There was the uh, WPA, which was more of a uh, put the people on the government payroll. There was a number of things that he did. So it wasn't only the Public Works Administration, but I I find myself astounded by what was accomplished, and we can't do that today. Today, in America, to do a construction job, it takes roughly 16 years from inception to completion. Uh, Now, that includes planning, environmental impact studies, uh, satisfying all the various agencies, uh, and then you have to design the project, then you build the project, and you complete it. 16 years is the average lifetime. So, I mean, obviously, um, we'd be hard-pressed to build 34,000 projects across this nation um, with the restraints that we have today. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I got to looking into that, and I said, well, um, what can we do here in California? Mm-hmm. And so I started looking at, well, you know, I started looking at the gas tax, and that that is a sore subject uh, any kind of tax is a sore subject. Right. However, the gas tax has not been raised in 20 years, either the federal nor the state, and it's never been uh, indexed for inflation. Hmm. So today, uh, the tax has actually theoretically gone down dramatically from what it was 20 years ago. And the, the tax is the primary source of funds that are used to maintain our roads uh, and build additional capacity. So, for obvious reasons, our uh, our roads, bridges are deteriorating. Our capacity is way, way less than what we need. Uh, the congestion is is huge, and later on we can get into some statistics. Yeah, but what I did is I just said, well, okay, how much does it really cost us on the gas tax? And that was part of what my article led to, and, and we can, uh, at your convenience, we can yeah. talk about that. But sure. Yeah. It's really, if, if we all pitch in, we can fix this problem. I tell you, you know what really uh, is striking me is that time span in six years, back to 33 to 39, I believe you said, and the amount of projects that got accomplished and then the astounding number of years, or you say 16 years from thinking about a project to completing a project in the U.S. or California, or is that kind of average? That's the average throughout the average. U.S. Yeah, throughout the Wow. I mean, you look at the Bay Bridge. Yeah. The, the planning and the inception on the Bay Bridge started sometime either in the late 80s or early 90s. Right. The new Bay Bridge, right. That's correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's going to be finished in 2014. Yeah. Yeah, and not to mention the costing and the different things. I uh, Some time ago, uh, uh, Parsons Brinkerhoff has been a client of ours for a number of years, and uh, they were part of the engineers on that on that thing, and it's uh, at the planning stage, so I, I understand, uh, 89 to 2014. Wow. You know, when you had this focus meeting with uh, 
the president of, of Granite, Bill Dory, right? Yes. That that is his name. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yes. And when you guys started meeting with the legislature, what was the reaction initially when because you're you're very well prepared. Dan, I mean that's what impressed me in preparation. I mean, you're you're very well prepared, very well spoken, credible, great company. So there's nothing not to like here. So when you take two leaders such as you and Granite and sit down and start talking to legislatures, I would think that they want to listen <laughs> to what you have to say. Now, we, as you say, when we talk about tax, nobody likes to talk about that. And we will, after a break when we come back, we'll get into some of the real uh, nuts and bolts, uh, what it costs from road and, and, and what the gas tax is. And, you know, not only in the United States, as you said, has it been indexed to inflation? It's, in fact, uh, less now than it was in 20 years ago. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about Europe and some of the ways that they have, they have done, done their gas tax. But back what was the reaction when you started uh, talking to legislatures? Uh, I, I assume you're talking about Sacramento as well as local Congress. And uh, how, did, how did they respond to you initially? Did that question make sense? It sure does. Yeah, uh, okay. well, the response was not very good, obviously. Yeah, that's what I thought, right. The response is we understand, totally understand what you're saying. We agree. Right. However... I'm not going to lose my job mm. by telling people we need to raise the tax. and Or the response is, from the Democratic side, give me five or six Republicans and I'll pass it. Um, part of the issue is you can't raise the gas tax without going to the voters. Um, right. So, And the Republicans are still on, well, we're not going to raise taxes, period. Right, right. And so I think it becomes a policy issue, and politicians are thinking more strategically what's best for their um, either the Democrats or what's best for the Republicans or whatever, as opposed to what's really best for the state of California or this country, mm-hmm. and how can we get people back to work? How can we get food on the table, people earning money? I mean, when, you, when you're out there earning money, you're spending things. You're infusing the economy. Everybody gets that. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to step out and show the leadership to say, we will do it. And that's yeah. the frustrating part that we face. Bill and I are just like, you know, it's like beating your head against the wall here. So if, if the politicians won't do it, what do we do? Well, in my opinion, the only thing we can do is try to make the public understand what it's costing them to do nothing. Yeah, I I I, I love that, and 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 like I said, when I became so excited when I had an opportunity, uh, you know, for you to come on the show, mm-hmm. and I've been pounding those drums for a, for a lot of years and in, in, in the past seven weeks or so we've just been concentrating on the construction sector and and, and these very important topics and it takes and, and it takes our industry 
leaders such as you and Bill and others, and I, I, I had uh, uh, Michael Gelati on, the, in which you know Michael, and uh, two or three weeks ago, and, and we're just drilling down on um, uh, the voice that we have in the industry, but that voice is not, in my mind, very well orchestrated. Uh, to be able to say, hey, this is what we need to do and get people's attention uh, because it is going to come from the people in the vote, right? I mean, we, it's, it's up to us. And, and, and thank goodness we have people like you and Bill and, and others that are stepping out there because, as you say, stepping out, talking about increasing taxes, uh, they look at you like you got three heads sometimes. You know, you think you, you actually want me to talk about that? However... When I look at some, I'm, I'm going to quote a couple of things from your quality of life issue newsletter, and I encourage all the listeners to get a copy of this, and I'm sure they can get it from your website or something. We'll make it available because it's just a very well, one page, what I love, just filled with facts and numbers. But this is one of the things that really jumped out at me, and I'm going to quote your article. Note, on a national basis, Deficient roadway conditions contribute more than one-half of all U.S. fatalities. This is more than drunk driving. Well, that jumped out at me. Well, if our roads contribute more than one-half, more than drunk driving, and, and we have, we're, we're not short of campaigns to bring awareness to that issue, are we? Drunk driving. That's, no. that's a... That's, that's, a, that's an awareness campaign. But roads and bridges are not that sexy, right? And I'm, and I'm not saying that the drunk driving campaigns, there's anything wrong with them. You know, I support them. I, I, I agree with that. However, it's, it's packaging, if you will. And when you look at the bottom line, where you uh, traffic congestion, poor roads, and serious crashes cause Californians – a whopping $39.8 billion, how do we make that number resonate with all of the uh, citizens of California? That's $39.8 billion. So when you no, it's look actually, at this, it costs Californians. Uh, Californians burn approximately 18 billion gallons of gas a year. So it's costing all of us $2.20 right. a gallon. Wow. And it's going to cost us more as the roads get worse, the congestion right. gets worse. Right. So the the point of my whole article was, mm -hmm. well, would you spend a buck to save $2.20? And then this... You there, Dan? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Lost you, lost you for a moment there. Yeah. And... Uh, Last thing I heard, would you spend? Well, would cost you spend a dollar to save two dollars and twenty cents? Yeah. And then we can go into what would a dollar buy? Right. Yeah. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to jump into that just right after the break. So hang in there, and we will be right back. This segment is brought to you by. TES Asset Management and Consulting Group. Is it time to develop the resources and talent to grow your bottom line? TES Asset Management and Consulting Group and JL White International Inc. 
is comprised of a team of seasoned executives with extensive experience in merchant banking. From its origins in the 18th century, merchant banking has today evolved into an enterprise that not only finances a company's product or services, but also assists in developing a comprehensive business strategy. TES Asset Management and Consulting Group will not only assist you in merchant banking, but provide business development, strategy, execution, succession planning, corporate finance, capital market research, human resources, marketing, branding, public relations, international joint ventures, partnering, M&A due diligence, and transaction negotiation and execution with specialized solutions for construction contractors, OEMs, and dealerships. Learn more today at tesamg.com. That's tesamg.com. Thank you. We're back with Dan Hemmick, with uh, President C.C. Meyer. Dan, I'd like to, if, if you will, is take this next segment. And I'd like to drill down on, and you, I'm going to start your article, the second, uh, second column, where it says, where is California today? Would you kind of walk us through that uh, and, and just put out some of these sober numbers, and then we'll move into uh, that concept of the gas, gas tax, you spend a dollar. And then I'd like to get your views on uh, some different uh, alternatives that's been batted around in Congress right now, uh, gas tax versus vehicle mileage tax uh, things. I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Uh, we got a lot that we could talk about. We could be here all day. So it's, where is California today? And you start off in 2008, and you lay that out at the opening of the show, where you said 35% of major roads. So can you pick up there and just kind of lay a framework? Because our listeners really need to hear this. And what we're finding from the show uh, where people are taking these and they're 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 especially in the reruns and it's been picking up. So we got a lot of good stuff to share with the the listeners. Not only in the United States, but uh, we we have a huge following in China and India and Brazil and other places. So it's it's really amazing how many people is tuning in around the world to see what California's got to say. So uh, 2008, 35 percent. So I will. Uh, let you take it from here and just kind of walk us through some of these things so we can just put the, uh, these facts in, in, in front of us. Okay, I'm going to uh, deviate a little bit from my okay. uh, uh, my article just a little bit because I've broken down the uh, the numbers a little bit more. Okay. Uh, basically, for, for everybody's uh, benefit here, uh, mm-hmm. I would just like to quote a, a couple things. Sure. In 2005, our infrastructure ranking was number one in the world. As of 2010, we've fallen to number 15. Wow. And this is indicative of our in- infrastructure. We're no different than the, the country. Now, right. what does that mean? Well, you know, our, our highways, roads, public transportation systems, all of that contribute to virtually everything of value in our economy, in our lives. So any impact to that also impacts our global economic uh, competitiveness mm-hmm. uh, and our quality of life. Mm-hmm. So what happens to California here? Well, five of the top ten most congested urban areas in the U.S. are in California. 
And our population will grow from 38 million to 44 million by 2020. That's a 16% increase. Mm-hmm. Freight demand will double in the next 40 years. Six of the top ten urban areas in the U.S. with the roughest pavements are in California. You already mentioned what that means to our health and safety on the roadways. Right, right. 66% of major roads in California were either rated in poor or mediocre condition. So, you know, when you look at that and you put it all together, what does it mean to us? We're just going backwards right now. And we're going backwards at a really, really alarming rate. Traffic congestion wastes Californians about 854 million hours annually. That's huge. 854? Doing nothing? Think about it. Yeah. Think about what that does to our quality of life. Right. Wow. So, you know... We're in a crisis. We, we really are, and it needs to be fixed. Um, and we have some ideas how to do it. There are some ongoing ideas that are starting to solve some of the problems, but we can't solve it quick enough without generating more revenue. Right. In the last 10 years, the state has been deficient about $11 billion a year for maintaining roads, relieving congestion, or adding capacity. Mm-hmm. So, how do we overcome that $110 million gap or billion dollar gap? Mm-hmm. We, we have to do something dramatic and we have to do something that is planned and thought out. And your ideas on that, that leads into where you've done this very detailed analysis on the uh, gas tax, and uh, is, is, that, is that one of the solutions? In, in your mind, and uh, how long would it take to uh, – assuming – now, that's a word I hate to use – assuming we could get both sides of the aisle awakening to the sobering uh, statistics that you're laying out, uh, Dan, and and especially if we can get what I call get the heart and the head connected here, that it is about the quality of life in California, the state that we live in and we love, but to – remainder of the United States as well, and we're talking about all these huge numbers, and it is a quality of I, I really do not understand the disconnect with our leaderships that we vote and put in office that they're not dealing with other than it's unpopular. So that's probably another 10-week series of leadership in, 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 in public elected officials, uh, which we I have a tendency to get myself in trouble. I get all sorts of wonderful emails from time to time. What are you saying about us? <clears throat> I'm just we're just calling it the way we see it. So, what are some of the solutions? Talking about this gas tax. Average gas uh, tax on fuel in the U.S. is about fifty cents. I'm just uh, quoting from uh, from uh, from your articles here in California. Yeah, the average tax on fuel in the U.S. is about fifty three point seven cents per gallon. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. In any other industrialized nation, it averages three dollars and fifty cents. To five dollars and fifty cents per gallon. This is just the tax. Now, I'm not advocating that we we go to that. In fact, I Understand. used the dollar because it just made the math simple. Right. I'm not saying that a dollar is necessarily the right number, 
Understand. It could be high, it could be low. It really needs to be analyzed. But mm-hmm. the fact is that um, current unemployment in California is over 12%. It's over 20% in the construction industry. So a dollar increase would cost well, – well, first of all, let me ask you a quick question, Joe. Mm-hmm. I raise the gas tax a penny. How much is that going to cost you in a year? Just off the top of your head. Oh, a penny, what's it going to cost me a year? It'd probably cost me three, four hundred dollars. Okay. The average motorist drives 12,400 miles per year. Okay. It's 22.4 miles per gallon. Okay, good. Or okay. the average motorist buys 554 gallons of fuel a year. God, I love these numbers. I've never had these numbers, okay? So a dollar... Yeah. It cost the average motorist five hundred and fifty four dollars per year. Huh? Boy, my man, what would that dollar buy? Yeah. Well, for every billion dollars of infrastructure uh funding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh almost twenty eight thousand jobs are created within the construction and non construction related sectors. Mm-hmm. So Californians burn 18,000 billion gallons of gas a year while gas and diesel and so forth. That $1 increase would generate 500,000 jobs in the state of California. Wow. Now, how long would this take? Well, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. And I'm not advocating that we go out tomorrow and raise the gas tax. What we need to do is we need to do some other steps first. I believe we need to create a true Secretary of Transportation Cabinet in the state of California. Right now, there's a Secretary of uh, Bureau and Housing and Transportation. It's all mixed up. And typically, the person that gets um, nominated for that post rarely has any transportation uh, experience or background. Mm-hmm. So we need a true Secretary of Transportation, a person who's had many, many years of experience in how to improve how we move goods, products, people, vehicles, etc. That's the first thing we need to do. I and like that. under that, that person can then focus on roads, bridges, rail, transit, and look how to marry it all together to make it functionally work. Because we need to fix roads and bridges, okay? We need to set up dedicated maintenance funds to do that. As I've said earlier, 66% of our, our roads in, uh, are just horrible. We need to add capacity where we need to to relieve congestion, but we need to do that on a long-term plan, a 40- or 50-year plan, so we can be thinking out there, thinking outside the box, just like Eisenhower was thinking when... Yeah. I was just thinking that. The uh, interstate system. So we need to establish dedicated truck byways. If in Southern California they're developing bus routes that only run on a dedicated piece of, of roadway just for the buses, similar to a train running on a track. Mm-hmm. Need to do this with the trucks. And I'm talking about the big heavy mm-hmm. freight trucks that run mm-hmm. our goods from the ports, etc. There can be intermodal systems set up to get those goods to the freight lines 
which are outside of the cities and they're moving across the country. Mm-hmm. We need to uh, we need more light rail in the state. We need to figure out how that marries in with with our heavy commuter systems, with our cities and, and, and counties and so forth. Um, we need more bike routes for people. There's, we have beautiful weather. My goodness, right. a lot of people would love to bike to work, if if or to where they're going, if they had the means to do so. We need to improve our commuter rails. Right now, a good number of our commuter rails run on share track with freight trains. Mm-hmm. Well, the freight trains have a habit of delaying the commuter rails, so you can't count on the commuter rails being on time. A lot of people don't take them for that reason. Right, right. And then after we tie all this together, if we had somebody who could work with cities, counties, local agencies, the state highway, Caltrans, tie all this together in a, in a plan, figure out how high-speed rail can be effectively utilized. When somebody tells me we're going to have high-speed rail between San Diego and Los Angeles, I kind of scratch my head and think, <laughs> how in the world can a train go at 225 miles an hour when it's going to stop every 30 or 40 miles, 50 miles? Right. right. I, I was in Shanghai, and I rode on the high-speed maglev train uh-huh. from downtown Shanghai to the airport. It's something like 40 miles, whatever. Yeah. So it takes five or six minutes, seven minutes to get up to speed, Another two or three minutes at speed, and then the rest of the time is decelerating. So it's a 15-minute trip. And yet they spent billions on this thing, and it barely gets up to speed for two or three minutes. I I don't see the purpose. So high-speed rail works in certain areas. In certain areas, it doesn't. This isn't to say that we can't improve the commuter rail speed times instead of trucking along at 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, that maybe we can improve it to 90 or 100. And then finally, I think I've read an article where our our air traffic control system on our airports is still based on the system that we started using in the 50s. And that if we could go to the new satellite GPS-type systems that other countries are starting to use, we could really make airports more efficient. So... If you roll all this under a true transportation cabinet and we need to take time and do a plan and how we're going to administer that plan, then we can start raising the money for it. The other advantage of having a a gas tax or a tax of that type funding our transportation infrastructure is there's no competing for general fund dollars all general fund dollars can go for education, health care, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. services, etc. So that's kind of a rambling, broad yeah. thought it, that, you know, this is what we really need to do. I, I don't advocate taking money out of people's pockets without a plan, but I believe if everybody knew what that plan was, they would be willing to contribute they certainly would be willing to spend a dollar to save $2.20. Boy, you, you just said something there that just hit a button for me. I mean, uh, and it's get people, 
thing that came to mind was John Kennedy in 1960. And when he made that speech, and you know where I'm going with this, put a man on the moon and return him safely within this decade. Well, that was a compelling vision, right? And connected the emotions. And what you're saying, got to have a plan. And if people understand, because one of the things that Americans love to do is to rally, right? We're, We're good at that, behind a leader that can communicate a clear vision and, and a goal, and we have a, have a plan to do it. And, and I agree with you. We've been going backwards the past 15 years or so, and, and that's that leadership void. And I really love your idea about this secretary uh, transfer. You got my vote, Dan. i just let you know. You got my vote for that. Uh, well, tell, tell Governor Brown it's a great idea, would you please? Well, we intend to do that. As a matter of fact, I was going to bring that up just a minute um, Governor Brown needs to hear this, and I'm sure he has, but he needs to hear it in a big way. And we need to rally behind that because what you're saying is a big deal. And you're also correct that people in in similar positions, they have no transportation experience whatsoever. Well, you know, we talk about all of the infrastructure, and I'm just going to throw another thing. One of the things that's also important in our infrastructure, not only on our roads and bridges and dams and drinking water and sewage and all of these different things, high-speed rail, light rail, and all that, is is a topic that I'm going to be addressing in a couple of weeks, is, is the uh, electrical grid throughout the United States. That's another big, big deal, and that infrastructure there, if we remember back to 2003 and the blackouts, right, from our uh, electrical grid, that's another part of the infrastructure. So... When you're laying out the numbers that you did and the number of people that this will employ, well, if we want to, we can. <laughs> right? Well, that's that's exactly right, Jim. And, and there's other, yeah, you have the electrical grid issues. You have um, green issues such as solar right. farms and what have you. You also have, in the state of California, our water infrastructure is right. in deplorable shape. And right. That's a real, obviously, an obvious vital part of our infrastructure as well that needs to be uh, it needs to be fixed and improved. So, again, it goes back to the vision for leadership. Right. Not worried about what's good for a personal goal or a party goal, but what's best for the people of the state or the people of the country. Right. Boy, I I I I agree. You know, I am going to, and I'm going to apologize to my sponsors now. This is such a great discussion. We're going to forego any commercial, and I know I will get emails on this, but this is too good. I don't want to break away. I don't want to break your thought process. So in advance, I apologize to the sponsors because we had a couple more sponsor breaks, but we're not going to take them because we got limited time, and Dan's given us some great stuff, so we're going to continue here. What else, Dan? Um, and 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 I just want to the listeners to really hear your words. You're not saying that we're going to jump out here and advocate to have gas tax at five dollars and fifty cents per gallon. Dan's not saying that. He's just pointing out the facts that some of our Western civilization brothers, if you will, they have that. That's just one particular option. But when you start connecting the dots. 
as to what a gas tax increase and how many people it would employ and all of the allied industries that would affect, uh, I don't think we should just ignore it on face value. I think we need to explore it. But Dan also said something that is very important, is a 40-year plan, a long-term plan, and, and, and a plan that is sound and one thing, and I'll, I'll put it on the table, we've got to do something about speeding up the process of approvals, regulation. Now, once again, uh, all of our friends out there in the environment, I'm not advocating that we do, we have anything with bad air. We love air, as Dan said, we've got a beautiful state. Nobody wants to breed bad air. Uh, and that goes back to some of the emissions issues that we've been faced with, especially all the contractors and dealers around the state. So we love good air. However, uh, what else can we do to speed up the approval process and regulation? Uh, that's, that's a question. And what else can we do to get more funds into the trust fund other than gas tax? Uh, any, any thoughts on that, Dan? What, 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 what are the, some other solutions? I, you, you laid out a clear. State of California has given a cabinet position for transportation. I love that, and we're going to be uh, – I love that. Uh, you laid out the uh, uh, the tax issue. How about this idea of uh, vehicle mileage tax? What do, what do you think about that? Where's that going? Who, who, I just picked up something out of Congress some time ago that somebody was bannering that around. Does that make any sense? Um, yeah, I've I've looked at that. I'm not a particular fan of that. Yeah. Um, it, the thing about the gas tax is it's a green tax. Yeah. It should change people's um, attitudes and their behavior. We need vehicles that get better gas mileage, better emissions. Um, so, to me, that drives behavior. <laughs> if you're buying right, a product, right. costing you to move, fine. On the vehicle miles traveled, it doesn't change that. It right. changes maybe the use of how far you travel your vehicle or what have you. But yeah type of vehicle you have, I mean, yep. you could have a Hummer getting five miles per gallon <laughs> and a Prius getting 50. Right. What's the difference on a vehicle no. miles traveled? Yeah. So I don't know how that would work. Uh, I'm not really a fan of that. In Nor some uh, states now, they're going to what they call hot lanes, which is um, lanes that you can get into, like HOV lanes, but you pay a varying toll depending upon the time of day. So it tries to drive behavior there. Um, to me, we need to fix our intermodal system. Instead of trying temporary fixes here, we need to fix our system. The, the, there's a uh, construction technique, not a technique, but designers are starting to design on-ramps and off-ramps where one goes underneath the other or one goes over the other so you're not merging traffic. They're called braided ramps. That's going to improve congestion. That's going to improve uh, getting um, uh, the vehicles on and off the freeways without slowing things down. Uh, as I mentioned before, if you get the trucks off the, the freeways, think about how many accidents are caused by trucks. And, and I don't know any statistics there, but trucks are very um, overwhelming. You get in between them, you get nervous, and you have to weave in and out between them because they're always in the right-hand lanes. If they're off the freeways, how much better would our freeways be? If the major uh, bulk of the vehicles, the, the trucks, excuse me, are off the freeway. Mm -hmm. 
So anyway, I I, I kind of mm-hmm. de- deviated there, but okay. the dollar is one thing to do in the gas tax. The okay. other thing that's being done to raise money in the state is there's 19 self-help counties in the state. These are counties like L.A. County, Orange County, San Bernardino, San Diego, etc. And they have raised their sales tax a half a penny or a quarter of a penny. And those funds are being dedicated to improving their local uh, city and county roads, etc. So that's helping. Then there is also private uh, participation in the private industry. And these are commonly known as public-private partnerships where you can take roads uh, um, and they are owned by an entity other than the state or the U.S. or what have you. Now, in reality, they're good in the sense that those private industry people provide the immediate funds to build that road. But at the end of the day, they're paid for by a toll of some kind. So they will cost us money. But instead of waiting for an increase in tax money to build up the revenue, we could start now and build some of those now and pay for them over the next 30 years. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. No, those are becoming, they're coming from uh, Europe primarily. Uh, Europe has used public-private partnerships for the last 15, 20 years. And a lot, of, a lot of firms, because Europe is in an economic crisis and doesn't have the work, a lot of those firms are bringing that knowledge and expertise to the United States. It, it's interesting that you bring up that option. Um, I've got an upcoming show that we're, we're going to... Uh, deal with uh, the three P's as referred to and um and and I know speaking to leaders within California and around the country especially in the construction industry they're a little concerned about that because they think the international player is going to come in and take work from us and so on and so forth but um a firm that's really got a lot of experience in that, and I mentioned earlier with Parsons Brinkeroff, which was, as you know, recently purchased by Balfour Batty out of London. And the ex-chairman, Bob Prado, is going to be our guest here in about three three weeks and uh, to talk uh, about some of the nuts and bolts of this thing. And uh, I'd certainly like to keep you abreast of that and uh, would like to get your insights when that, when that comes up as well, uh, maybe include you in the discussion. Because it is something that we could do. There is money available from the private sector, uh, and it's something that uh, we could kind of dust off some projects, if we will, that may be far enough down the approval process and put some private sectors another way to put people to work. Is that a fair assessment? If we uh, yes, it is, because the big firms that come in are the ones primarily doing the financing. Right. Um, and even then, the European firms, if they come in with some guidance and leadership, mm-hmm. they don't have the people to actually build the job. Right. And those will employ local people. Right. Because it, the, the European unions and governments, they can't afford to bring their people, their workers, from Europe and work here. It's just it's the, the cost. Trust me, the cost is outrageous. I've been in, involved in that. So what they do is they bring their expertise and they bring some leadership and they bring the funding, but the hiring is done locally, local yeah. people. Yeah. 
I'd, I'd like to go back to the gas tax. Sure, uh, please. One please. important thing about the gas tax. Okay. I think in 2000, I don't remember what it was, but it was a couple of years ago, the price of gas went up to over $5 a gallon. Do you recall that? I do. <laughs> I do very well. And what happened? What happened was, at that point, in a very small period of time, you couldn't find a seat on a bus. You couldn't find a seat on a train. Mm. The highways were were definitely less congested. Mm-hmm. Where did that money go? When that price went from uh, 2 or $3 a gallon, it jumped up to 5 bucks a gallon. Where did that money go? Well, it went to the Middle East. It went to yeah. the Middle East so that those people right. could outfit their private jets better or build their cities or uh, improve their economy. It left the U.S. If yeah. we raise the gas tax here, and this is another reason why I advocate that, it makes it harder for the Middle East to raise the price of fuel. Right. Because when people, when it drives people's behavior like that, they use less oil. Right. So a dollar increase, that dollar stays here in the U.S. improving our economy, not somebody else's economy. Oh, I, I love that, and uh, I just want I'm, I'm going to take some of your numbers here and once again just reinforce what you said for the people. Your dollar increase, you said, would generate $18 billion in revenue to invest, and for each billion – with the southern accent, creates about 28,000 jobs. That's correct. Well, that's a pretty good return. Yep. One and you're dollar. saving $1.20 yep. if you take my dollar versus two twenty. Yep. So you're saving $1.20. Now, you're not going to save that right away. We yep. have to improve the system. But if we don't start now, you'll never. it'll just keep costing you more money. Right. You know, and on the, I have it... Uh, uh, checked into the local news this morning. I deliberately kept it keep it off in preparation for the show, but I don't know what the storm has done, and the reason I'm bringing that up, uh, it's totally as a sidebar, uh, uh, bringing it up, I, I was started thinking about the levees in California and how, you know, how deteriorating they are, and if I think about Sacramento, uh, I mean, we got a lot of levees on the Delta that something goes wrong, a lot of people are going to be swimming. You know, that's another major issue that and, and it's not to alarm people, but once again, it's just educate, uh, let people know. And if we have uh, some of these natural disasters, uh, and seem like we're having more and more of them, uh, if we got our infrastructure upside down, then we're certainly not going to be prepared to withstand some of these uh, natural disasters coming along. As I said, uh, you said in the beginning of the show, your firm is very well known to coming in and, and get some of these things back up after these disasters, you know, the earthquake in the early 90s down in Southern California you're referring to. So uh, huge, huge opportunity here, uh, Dan, and, and, and we've got about five minutes left. Uh, in this remaining time, any other uh, things that you would like to lay on top for as possible solutions, and you, boy, you have given our audience a lot of information this morning, and what a breath of fresh air you are uh, to share that. Very logical, makes sense, but it all starts back to the leadership, and uh, and, and and we got to get in front of Governor Brown locally uh, because this cabinet position 
with experience, I think would go a long way in California, and I think it could have an immediate impact if we could uh, get that. I, I really love that. Well, I like what, to address the the sure. time it takes to build a job because we talked about okay. that. How can we improve right. upon that? Right. Right. And we we've, we've been involved in some twenty emergency jobs over the past thirty years. Wow. Um, recently, like I said, uh, recently there was a uh, truck tank fire on the 580, which was called the MacArthur Maze in Northern oh, yeah. California, burned right. down a piece of roadway and it shut the whole interstate down. A major artery going into uh, uh, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So the state put out a contract said basically you got 50 days to build this for every day up to 25 days that you beat that you get an incentive of $200,000. So <laughs> we got we were very fortunate we got that job and we rebuilt the highway in 17 days. <laughs> wow. Now, the the point of my my story isn't that we're great. The point is this. The reason we did that is we had a cooperative effort. Right. Between all agencies, state, environmental, everybody, us, working for a common goal to get the project rebuilt in the quickest time without sacrificing safety, quality, or commitment. And you take typical bid-build work and this and that and so forth, you're at odds with each other from day one. Everybody has their own way. There is no team focus. So I believe that part of what the Secretary of Transportation can do, but he would need the support of legislature, he would need the support of the governor and the other agencies. They really need to pull together and say, how can we best build, rebuild our infrastructure, working together as a team with a time commitment to get this done? Right. And every emergency job we've had, we've had that commitment from the other side. And that's what has allowed our firm, and there's been other firms who have done emergency jobs, that's mm-hmm. what allowed them to succeed. In in just recently, Southern California, Carmageddon, okay? Right, right. That right. team finished exactly what they said they were due, when they were due. Now, they couldn't have done it without everybody pulling together. Mm-hmm. And that, that I think, would reduce our time frame. We, we shouldn't be taking more than, than five or six years at the most from beginning to end to do a job. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, what you bring up there is, 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 is so true. Under the emergency situation, look what you can do now. And, and you were very clear. You did not sacrifice the environment. You did not sacrifice quality. And you did it in 17 days. Yes. Well, that's just one instance. Like I said, we can yeah. we could give you 30 more. Yeah, yeah. And 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 those case studies, and you got 30. I'm sure you got them packaged. But that is important, you know, to be able to get people around the around the table to say if we can do it under these conditions. Why in normal times must we be at odds in our negotiations and have a fight in what we call regular conditions, right? Yeah, I, so, I, one last thing because I know we're yeah. getting short. Yeah. Transportation funds typically have been at the mercy of government 
pulling the money out of there to use it to balance other areas of the budget. Absolutely. And people I have talked to said, my neighbors, friends, everything else, they're not against a gas tax per se. They're against allowing the politicians to use it wherever they want. Part uh-huh. of our our thought process and our plan with the Secretary of Transportation would also be that there currently is a uh, California Transportation Commission made up of, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 really uh, um, focused, important people who manage the state funds for highway infrastructure. So Hmm. there would still need to be that type of vehicle. Uh, We want that vehicle because they would would solely be responsible for the the funds and how they get spent, which projects, making sure that the projects are critically needed, et cetera. So to take that worry away from the public that, well, this money is going to be used for something else, it shouldn't be, and it won't be. And I think that is a great point to make, and the accountability to those funds is huge. Dan, this has been a wonderful hour, and unfortunately our hour is up. I would love to have you back at some future date if you'd be open to that. Uh, what you have shared is 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 has just been huge. So I want to thank you for spending the hour with us today and some great insights. I, I really appreciate it and your pleasure, sir. Well, thank you very much because it's been my honor, and I would be love to come back anytime you have a need. Just give me a call. I am certainly going to take you up on that. And, uh, Dan, thank you. Have a great weekend. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, You've been listening to Circle Success Radio. I'm your host, Jim White, coming to you live from Carmel, California, on August 27th. We'll be back next week uh, with our next uh, show, September the 2nd, at the same time, 10 a.m. Until then, be safe and make it a great week. Thank you so much, and talk to you next week. Goodbye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.